Welcome to the Renewing the Center podcast. My name is Chris McDaniel, and we want to thank you for joining us today. Here at Renewing the Center, we're answering God's call to work for the spiritual renewal of the church. For more information, visit renewingthecenter.org. We're glad to have you with us today. Now, let's make some space for God's renewing work. Today is Ash Wednesday, the date of the publishing of this podcast episode. And Ash Wednesday marks the beginning of the Lenten season, which is a season of extended wilderness wandering whereby Christians all over the world and throughout the ages have entered into a kind of wilderness time leading up to Easter. And you may not have grown up in a liturgical home. I I certainly didn't. I was raised by uh, very non-traditional Christian parents who um, were a part of a church that didn't observe seasons of the calendar. And so I'd never heard of Lent until I became uh, older and uh, curious about Anglicanism, actually. I've come to really, really appreciate um, Ash Wednesday and the Lenten season because I think that in a land of plenty, we need seasons where we fast and step back from all of our plenty in order to uh, pull in our belts a bit. Um, Easter's on the way. Some 40-some-odd days from now, um, we will be celebrating the resurrection. And my hope is that as Easter comes, we'll see even more light at the end of the tunnel regarding this pandemic that we're in. But for now, I think it's important for those of you who are willing, who are interested, to step into a kind of wilderness period. See, if we're always feasting and never fasting, then our feasting becomes gluttonous. And this is an invitation. I think this season is an invitation for you and for me uh, to do a little bit of fasting, um, to wander in some arid places, some darker, dry places, so that the resurrection will actually mean something more life-giving to us. Now, I also know that we've been in a year-long Lenten season in some respects. This pandemic and all the uncertainty that's come with it has been really hard. And so you might be uh, thinking, why would I want to do something else um, that feels dark when the whole world has felt pretty dark? I get it. I get it. But I think these seasons matter for us. Even in the midst of the the pandemic and all that we're facing now, I think that this is an opportunity for you and for me to think about life and to think about death and to think about the fact that the Lord is inviting us into a kind of indestructible life. That's what resurrection is all about. But before we get to resurrection, we have to actually think about what it means to enter into places where we lay down our own lives. And guys, that's what Ash Wednesday is really about. If you go to one of our services today, we're going to hold some parking lot meetings and um, do some ashing um, of cross ash on people's forehead. Um, That service, the Ash Wednesday service, is really all about death. It's about mortality. Uh, We actually, uh, Christians throughout the ages um, and today, will mark you at the sign of the cross and tell you that you're going to die, which is a very un-American thing to do. It's very uncomfortable, actually, to be told that we're going to die. And yet that's what this day is about. It's recognizing that it's not until we enter into death and darkness that we will experience the indestructible life that God has for us. So my prayer for you today and this season is that you would actually mark time and walk into some dark places in order to see the brightness of God's goodness and his life. I'm going to read a passage uh, from the lectionary from Luke 18 and just make a couple of very brief comments that might help us begin to think about this season. Uh, Luke 18 verse 9. He also told this parable to some 
who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I just want to share a few things because I think this is actually what Lent is all about. This parable it says, was intended for those who would trust in themselves. And I would say that I believe the Lenten season is for those of us who tend to trust in ourselves. It's an opportunity to learn something about our weakness and our need for God and his desire to meet us and pardon us and justify us. See, this parable is not ultimately about teaching us to pray. I think that there are some good things to learn here regarding prayer, this is about learning how to become a certain type of, type of person. And so Jesus tells a story where two different men go to the temple to pray. Um, one goes is a Pharisee and the other is a tax collector. And a lot of us, when we think about going up to the temple to pray, we might mistakenly believe that Jesus was telling a story about people like, you know, going into an empty church to engage in personal private prayer. Um, at the time of Jesus, and frankly, even now in the Arab world today, if a Christian says, I'm going to the church to pray, any hearer would understand that she means she's going to attend a public worship service. Um, I learned this reading a guy named Ken Bailey, who is one of my favorite biblical scholars. He essentially is a cultural anthropologist who has a theological background, and he wrote a book called Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes that is one of my favorite commentaries. Um, anybody listening to this story would have thought these two people are going to a church service or to a public worship service. And so in a public space, the Pharisee stands apart from everyone else because he thinks he's better than everyone else. And he compares himself to other people in an effort to feel powerful and secure. Y'all, this guy was not praying the way he was supposed to be praying. He was separate. He felt that he needed to remain pure and therefore be apart from people. And in his prayer, he's giving unsolicited advice. He's keeping his distance but praying aloud. He's praying about his accomplishments and reminding people who would hear him pray of their inadequacy. And it's just such a sad thing because praying was what he was supposed to be doing. And the typical way to pray would have been what he was supposed to be doing as well. But he's doing something in totally the wrong way. See, a typical Jewish pattern for prayer in the first century would have fallen along these three lines and gone in this order. Number one, you start by confessing your sin. Number two, you thank God for his provision. And number three, you begin to ask the Lord for his help. So confession, thanksgiving, petition. That's a good pattern for you to follow in your prayer. But this guy begins to preach sermons, give unsolicited advice to other people as he prays. 
And I would just say to you, if you're one of those people that hide uh, advice in your prayers at your neighborhood group or at your dinner table, you know, you're preaching sermons, you're giving people advice in the form of a prayer, please stop doing that. It's not helpful. That's what the Pharisee's doing here. No one's listening. No one likes what he's saying. No one's receiving what he's saying. But y'all, the real danger that this guy's running into, it's something that all of us struggle with on a daily basis. He's comparing himself to other people. Now, in his case, he thinks he's better than other people. But maybe you, in the way that you pray, you're comparing yourself negatively to other people. See, this guy is living in a world of comparison and competition. And he happens to think he's winning. But if you're living in that world and think you're losing, you're still praying the wrong way. You're coming to God with the wrong kind of need. And the wrong, wrong kind of vocab, the wrong kind of spirit or heart. So let's look at the tax collector. This guy recognizes his neediness and he asks God for help. See, he recognizes that he's not where he wants to be. He actually comes to church, to this worship service, because he sees that his life isn't where he wants it to be. And maybe right now you're at a time in life to where you realize that there are parts of your life that are just not where they need to be. See, the Pharisee, he thought he was fine. The tax collector, he knew that he wasn't where he was supposed to be. And rather than hide it or become defensive about that, he simply comes to church and acknowledges before God, I'm not where I want to be. Here's the irony. He stands apart from other people as well. But it's not because he wants to be better than them. It's because he probably feels like he doesn't deserve to be connected to people. He's isolated. He's hated. He's cut off. He had a bad reputation. Now, he was a person of means. Most tax collectors were. But the way that he made his living actually isolated him from other people. See, he comes to church with a lot of baggage, but he does come to church. He's come to the temple to work on his life with God. He's not content to let his sin and his broken state keep him from moving toward the Lord. And I just know, some of you listening to me today, this is exactly where you are. Maybe there are things at play in your life that are not where they need to be. Maybe you're doing some things or struggling with some things that you know are not God's best for you. See, we can allow those things to keep us from God, or we can come to God because we know we need him. See, I think that the tax collector, in that sense, is a kind of guide to us. He's sinful, but he knows that his sin is exactly what the Lord wants to put his finger on and help heal. And so he asks God to be merciful. And I love that word, God be merciful, because the word used in this passage for mercy is a really unusual word. It's actually not the typical word used for mercy in the New Testament. The word is to make an atonement. Essentially, this is what he's saying. Oh God, because I am a sinner, work on my behalf to reconcile me to yourself. Would you make an atonement for me? See, the word atonement, I think is best understood as God's work on sinners' behalf to reconcile them to himself. And so what this guy's doing is he's not pretending that there aren't things in his life that need dealing with. He actually comes with those areas of brokenness, and he says, Lord, would you make an atonement for me? Would you do work on my behalf? And so I would say to you today that one of the things that we could all stand to grow in is asking God to do work on our behalf, work that we can't do on our own or in our own strength. And if we'll pray like the tax collector, not like the Pharisee, God will actually begin to work in our lives in ways that maybe he wouldn't if we did not ask him. So the next time you pray, I want you to start with what's right in front of you. Where are you struggling? 
Where do you feel a little bit cut off? Where do you feel isolated? I believe that if we will ask God to meet us in those places, he will do something for us. And see, we can't fix everything in a moment. We can't pray comprehensively about everything that could be prayed for. But what we can do is name the places that hurt and ask the Lord to come in and reconcile us to make an atonement for us. And so, Father, I pray for my friends today. I pray, God, that you would help us to be honest and real and forthright before you. God, I pray that we would come to you with our real selves, God. Father, would you forgive us for the places where we've lived in comparison to other people, whether that's a, an arrogant comparison or a fatalistic comparison, God. Help us to rather come to you with what needs to be dealt with, to bring to you the things that actually hurt, the places where we need your healing. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak a word of life over us, God, that you would reconcile us to yourself in new ways, in real ways, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you felt moved or inspired by something in this podcast, an idea, an image, or an impression, carry it with you into your day as a prayer, coming back to it again and again in the spaces throughout your day. Be curious about what God wants to show you. What in your life needs to hear this word of encouragement, inspiration, or course correction? And be courageous in your response. The Holy Spirit will give you the grace to carry out whatever He places on your heart. And thank you for being with us today. We look forward to having you with us again next time here at Renewing the Center. Mm-hmm.